Our opening and closing theme is by Midnight Syndicate. For more dark instrumental music like it, visit www.midnightsyndicate.com or find them on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or Alexa. True crime stories are discussed in this podcast, which may contain graphic and disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 15, The Mothman. Jennifer's bringing us some spooky content for October. Who isn't familiar with Mothman? Me. I was not familiar with him. (laughs) And I thought you would have known about it. I know. Like, you think I know about all this paranormal stuff, but... Oh, you, you just automatically think he's paranormal, huh? Well, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course you do. It's already in that, you know, category for me. Okay. <laughs> so, do you think moths are scary? Mm, not really. Do you? No. I mean, I just don't want them in my closet. Right. I don't want them messing with my sweaters. That's it. Now, if you hear the name Mothman, are you scared? Well, yeah, because I've seen the movie and I've looked up the stories. Okay. So, you do feel that fear. It's scary. Do you think it's proof of aliens? You know what? <laughs> Is this an alien episode? It I might mean, be. It might be. <laughs> I gave Jennifer the reins for this, and she's like, let's do aliens. You volunteered for this. Okay? <laughs> I this is what you asked for. I know. I need to be careful what you ask for. But, okay, we will, we'll jump into it. Do you think it's aliens? It's possible. Okay. You All know, right. I'm, o- I'm opening myself up to this. Just now? This in this man. episode? You haven't been open to this this entire time I've known you? Well, <laughs> listen, this Mothman I wasn't very familiar with, but now I'm opening myself self up to him being an alien him existing he she it so you believe it i've never experienced a mothman but i'm open to it okay if it wants to come to me bad things happen though if it comes to you right i don't know we'll talk about that okay now we don't know if it'll like chew giant holes into your clothes or or... your pretty scarves watch out 1700s right (laughs) right now we're in 21st century so (laughs) still the moths are bothering the scarves (laughs) they have not stopped terrorizing the closets and we don't know if we can exterminate them with mothballs we may or may not be able to answer these questions but <laughs> mothballs can exterminate the mothman we don't know nobody tried throwing some at him i don't know if they had them handy reach into that closet <laughs> toss some mothballs at the mothman see right. if it goes away i feel like your video games are coming into this too it's yes. merging i like it they're always All there right. in the back of my head <laughs> so we're gonna discuss some mothman encounters and some strange like related ones in a second okay but summer what hybrid creature would scare you if there was like a rare sighting or mythology out about it. Maybe it's something that is already out or it's something that we don't know if it exists yet. I think the Burger King guy scares me. (laughs) We saw a lot of him on our trip. (laughs) Yeah, and I had put that in the back of my mind. (laughs) That's a big head on a small body. PTSD after that. Yeah, it was creepy. When he first was doing those commercials, I think it was in the 90s, I had some bad dreams about that guy. He is a creepy, you know, mascot. So that kind of hybrid scares me. He could be a cryptid. We'll look into it. For me, I think that if a centipede man was a real thing, I may faint like oh, on sight. Oh, all the legs. You don't like that. No. The fear of too many legs. It's entomophobia. And you have that. I think so, yes. When I see things with too many legs, I have to sit down. Mm, and I'm the opposite. If it doesn't have legs or arms, that like a snake. How is it moving so fast? I mean, snakes are creepy, but they don't give me that same feeling of too many legs. You could handle the snake. 
I would handle the centipede man for you. Yeah. I don't care. Have as many arms as you want. Legs, fine. But when you don't have them, I'm suspicious. It is suspicious. And then you can climb trees, and some snakes could even, like, fly. They can. They can, like, glide. And swim. Yeah. That's just, oh, there's just too much. Let's move on. It's yeah. not a phobia episode. It's not. I mean, it could be one. <laughs> it could be now. Yes, we digress. So to preface the lore, I'm not sure why the creature is called Mothman, because most people who claim to have witnessed it states it looks like a humanoid bat or bird, not a big moth. Mothman does sound better than Birdman, and Batman's taken. Batman's taken. Birdman is a rapper, as we know. So So they were stuck with Mothman. Process of elimination. I guess they had to just go with Mothman. It was a good choice. Next scariest thing. Mm -hmm. If we think back to Skinwalker. Oh, yes. Those creatures had red eyes. Right. So usually red eyes are linked to bad things, right? Yeah, like red invokes fear. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I think that they just are sleep deprived and don't have enough caffeine. Oh, okay. (laughs) Take that as you will. So the Mothman is just looking for a good brew of coffee. I think so. Yeah. And he's just approaching people like, will someone give me some coffee? Should we leave it outside like they do for Santa Claus. They leave cookies and things. Why don't we leave, instead of milk and cookies, we could leave a big pot of coffee for the Mothman. I think that would help. Would that soothe him? Yeah. Okay. Have mothballs handy. In case that doesn't soothe him. Exactly. Okay. Always got that backup plan. Got your backup plan. We don't know. No one's tried that yet. Mm. At least not from what I've seen. And if we try it, we'll let you know. Let's talk about these encounters. The infamous story begins in November of 1966 in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Many of the residents of the town and neighboring towns began to see something strange. What we believe is the first reported encounter involves a National Guardsman who was on duty at the Point Pleasant 1092nd Engineer Battalion headquarters. That's a mouthful. Wow. He reported seeing a huge black creature in a tree above a fence near the base. He said it looked like a bird, but was the size of a human being. He left to tell someone else so they could see what he was witnessing, but when he returned, it was gone. He shrugged this off, thinking maybe it was just his imagination, and didn't report it until later when more similar stories came out. So we're going to try to tell you this in a chronological type of order, as best we can. The next day, November 2nd of 1966, a traveling sewing machine salesman, Woodrow, Dernberger and when I first saw this last name, Dernberger. I just had the overwhelming compulsion to say it in like the most obnoxious way. <laughs> now, have you seen Pink Panther with Steve Martin? A long time ago. Do you remember the hamburger scene? No. It's my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> in this scene, he's trying to learn English because he's going to America. So he's practicing. And you, and do you relate to this? <laughs> yes, that's right. That's my favorite part. <laughs> so he's learning how to say, I would like to order a hamburger. Okay. <laughs> I'm probably going to butcher this. But he says it like, I would like to order a hamburger. <laughs> and so when I saw that, I was like, Dirt burger. Darren Berger. Darren Berger came up. <laughs> Woodrow Darren Berger. I'm sorry, Susan Martin. I just totally butchered I that scene. I think for... you did great. I just love that movie. And if you haven't seen that scene, you need to watch it. No, now I remember that scene. The accent brought it back. <laughs> the awful accent. Yes. It's just as good as his. Uh, his was pretty bad. <laughs> So, Mr. Woodrow Dernberger had an encounter with a man outside of Parkersburg, West Virginia, which is north of Point Pleasant, along the Ohio River. 
He was driving back to his home in Mineral Wells, West Virginia, and was cut off by what he believed was a car. He was forced to slow down and pull over on the side of the road. The scene was lit up by his headlights, and it was raining earlier, but it was just sprinkling at this time. When he got closer to the supposed car, he realized the vehicle was actually a contraption that looked more like a charcoal-colored kerosene lamp chimney and was floating six to eight inches off the ground with no visible grip onto the road. That's spooky. Yeah. Have okay. you ever seen a vehicle like that? No. Turn around. Me either. <laughs> Is this what makes you kind of think it was alien activity? Oh, we'll get into all the craziness <laughs> that happens. And you'll see that it could Your possibly alien be. evidence. All right. Zach Bagans Jr. If he'll take me. <laughs> He would. It also gave off the sound of a helicopter hum. A humanoid figure wearing a dark metallic blue top coat got out of the vehicle and approached his car. He told Woodrow to lower his window and that he meant no harm and we only wish you happiness. Upon closer inspection, the man had dark hair and tan skin, like he worked outdoors. He was about six feet tall and weighed about 180 to 185 pounds, about 35 years old. The man did not move his lips and his mouth remained fixed in a smile, while standing with his arms folded and his hands under his armpits. So was he talking like a ventriloquist? We'll get into that. His demeanor was disturbing to Mr. Dernberger, and he realized that the man was speaking to him telepathically. He first asked Woodrow, what are you called? He realized he was asking what his name was, and so he introduced himself. In turn, the man said, I am called Cold. They talked for about 10 minutes about things like what a city was, and Cold told him that when a bunch of them get together, it's called a gathering. He asked him how he made a living, and Woodrow told him he was a salesman. Cold then replied that he was a searcher. Now, I know he wrote a book about his further conversations with Cold. I think searcher basically means like surveyor, scope out the area. Like see if it's safe to inhabit. Like Check things out. Check out the scene. But that's just to clarify maybe what a searcher could be. There was even an instance when he telepathically gave him the impression that he was pointing to something. So not actually pointing, but sending you vibes. Okay, what was he pointing to? Lights and the city, Mm. trying to figure out what stuff was. was. After that, he walked back to his craft and left. But right before that, he told Woodrow to report his experience to the authorities and left him with the words, we will see you again. Woodrow did just that, and his story was published and backed by several witnesses in the area who saw him talking to the strange man and could even describe the vehicle. And were these people not related to him? Yeah, they were just outsiders. Passerbys. Okay. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. In Parkersburg, West Virginia, on Route 7, November 4th, 1966. Two days later, Dernberger was driving with a colleague when he had another telepathic communication with Cold. He tells him that his first name is Indrid. He explains that he's from the planet of Lanulus in the galaxy Ganymede. I don't know. Now he's talking is giving him his address and the solar system. Well, still, you know, tell no. him where he's from. That's what you do when you have new friends, right? Give them your address right away. <laughs> well, I mean, not like he could find him, but he's literally like, this is where I live on my planet. Well, he knows you're probably not going to get there. It's, it's, it's 1542 solar system highway. Well, he says that the people that live on his planet live for about um, 125 to 175 Earth years. Okay. Obviously, better genetics than ours. Longer lifespans, Mm -hmm. for sure. 
Now, before we talk about how he might have been saying this stuff to go viral or get his name out there, let's remember that this is before anyone knew what Mothman is or was. His details are also very different from like typical UFO stories. You know, it's not like a man in green, right? Yeah. With big eyes right. and a flying saucer. Yeah. I mean, he has some people that can back up the story that he was speaking to somebody, but what if there was just a guy standing there talking to him and like, hey, you're parked in the middle of the road with your lights on, staring, but not moving are his you mouth? okay? But do any of the other passerbys say, oh, there was this weird guy standing there not moving his mouth? Or were they just like, no, there was a guy we saw in a blue shirt talking to him, yeah? Yeah, I don't know how specific other people got. We only know what he says. Yeah. He was not a believer in any of the supernatural stuff before this experience, and he even tells reporters that if someone came up to him with this story, he'd say they were a net. So be like me saying, okay, you guys, yes. I experienced something. He said he never believed in UFOs or anything like that before, so he knows how far-fetched it is. Okay. I have to know a little bit more about him. Well, he, you know he was a traveling sewing machine salesman. Sounds like an exciting career. <laughs> <laughs> Woodrow was also a respected man in this small town, and he knew that reporting the story would have people talking about him. He gave an interview with Glenn Wilson on WTAP-TV, and you can listen to it on YouTube. I listened to it. What do you think about it? To me, he sounded credible. I okay. thought that he sounded truthful and sound mind. You don't think he was just trying to get more sewing machine sales? <laughs> I do not think so. I <laughs> like think the people... best marketing ploy ever. That same night, <laughs> there was a similar experience. An elderly man went to visit a reporter, Mary Heyer, who wrote for the Athens Messenger. She was good friends with John Keel, who is the author of Mothman Prophecies. She was someone the townspeople respected, and they trusted her as a journalist. He and another workman were driving home near Parkersburg. An elongated object came floating down from the sky and descended right in front of them. They stopped their car. A man emerged from the vehicle and approached them. He was wearing a black coat with his arms folded and his hands under his armpits. Again. The man rolled his window down, and the figure asked them, Who are you? Where are you from? Where are you going? And what time is it? And then walked back to his craft and elevated back into the sky. Okay, and was this after... This is the same night. Hmm... So the pair decided against telling anyone, but the man ended up confiding in Mary. The story wasn't published, but after a few weeks, Mary and John called the elderly man inquiring about the details. He asked that his name not be released because a scientist from Ohio told him not to get involved and to forget about the incident. Some random scientist called him? Were his hands under his armpits? <laughs> this random scientist. And did his mouth not move? He's like, you want to forget about everything right, exactly. you just saw. Well, unfortunately, we didn't get those details from mm. him because he said he doesn't remember Curious. but he seemed like he knew what he was talking about okay he also said that after this experience he kept having nightmares and had a sudden inclination towards alcohol <laughs> he said pass the vodka <laughs> right <laughs> these stories are mentioned in john keel's book if you're interested in reading it I'm going to have to check that out. I didn't list all of them, but there's many. But when you read the book, he's more inclined to bring in paranormal. Oh, so it's like Zach Bagans style? Yeah, that's the flair you're going to okay. get when you read all it. Right. Just going to let you know. I want to see the skeptics book. That's what I want. <laughs> 
On November 12, 1966, Kenneth Duncan, Robert Lovejoy, Emil Gibson, Andrew Godby, and William Poole were digging a grave in a cemetery in Clendenin, West Virginia, for Duncan's father-in-law, Homer Smith. So they had to dig a grave for their own family member? It's West Virginia's do-it-yourself. DIY. <laughs> wow, that's morbid. Yeah. While they were doing this, though, they witnessed a big human-like figure being perched in a tree. Oh, great. Then it flew down, gliding mm. low over their heads. The men were reluctant to report the sighting, and it may have been forgotten about if not for these next reported encounters. On November 14th, 1966, Merle Partridge had a German shepherd named Bandit, who on that night was barking like crazy on the porch. I believe the dogs always. The dogs will tell the truth. Cats won't care. That's true. (laughs) Unless you're feeding them or petting them. Like, I may have seen an alien. I don't care. I'm about to nap. (laughs) So Merle was watching TV, but the signal suddenly kept going haywire. He reported hearing the sound of a generator winding up from outside. Merle goes outside with his flashlight to see what's going on. He walks out, shines the flashlight towards the barn, which is about 150 yards from the house. What he sees is a figure with huge reflecting red eyes, which he describes similar to bicycle reflectors. I mean, that's kind of scary, right? Yeah. So the Mothman and his Mothman mobile were outside. No, I think it was just Just his eyes. His eyes made that noise? Well, that might have been his craft. So that's the Mothman mobile. Could be. Okay. Being that Merle was a hunter, he was familiar with how animal eyes reflected and immediately felt scared of what he was seeing. Bandit the dog was riled up and still barking and then he leapt in the direction of the figure and chased it into the barn. Merle then went inside, grabbed his shotgun but he was too afraid to check on Bandit so he slept with his gun nearby. In Skinwalker too, didn't the dogs ran off and they're like, oh well. Yep, Terry Sherman. The next day, there was no sign of Bandit. It was a little muddy outside, but he went outside to see if he could find his dog. He was able to follow tracks into the mud to the same place that he saw those red eyes. He found paw prints circling the space, but no other tracks. It looked like he was chasing his tail, and then the prints just stopped like he disappeared into thin air. On November 15th, 1966, another bizarre encounter occurred, and this is probably the most known incident. Roger and Linda Scarberry, friends Steve and Mary Millette, and their cousin Lonnie Button were en route to Point Pleasant to hang out in one of the spookier spots in town, the TNT area. The McClintic Wildlife Management Area had housed the West Virginia Ordnance Works, a hidden TNT factory from World War II. This area had been long since abandoned as a military operation. Its distance from the town and low profile made it a popular hangout spot for teenagers who could get away from like prying eyes of their small town. Roger was driving around in his 1957 Chevy looking for people to hang out with. In the TNT area, there were bunkers, which were then called igloos made of concrete, and they drove around in this gated area, which was unlocked. The closer they got to the plant where the explosives used to be made, Linda noticed something in the distance. Two glowing red eyes, which were two inches in diameter and six inches apart. Everyone saw this, and Roger slammed on the brakes. They said it looked like a human, but bigger, and with huge red eyes, big wings folded behind its back. Linda said its eyes were big and reflective, and its body was gray and stood on sturdy legs. That is very creepy. 
Yeah, and these are a group of friends who were they all together seeing this. Were they high? Could have been smoking the ganja, you know? Maybe. Were they out practicing their geometry? <laughs> we know what they were doing. Right. Being teenagers. Okay. Something interesting to note is red eye shine in animals isn't uncommon and typically means that the animal is nocturnal and able to hunt at night. Needless to say, they freaked out and immediately booked it out of there. They headed towards Route 62, but on their way, they saw it again or another one that looked just like it. The creature then spread its wings and flew up into the sky. Roger stated that he was going 100 miles per hour and the creature was not flapping its wings, but it was keeping up with them easily. Mary said it was making an animalistic noise like a screeching mouse. That's not really the scariest noise. If it's a high-pitched screech, maybe. Right. right. Like a, more like an owl? Right. If it was like that. But if it's like a... If it was like, squeak, 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 you'll know. But if it was like a screech, like an owl. Those are yeah. aggressive. Owls are scary. They noticed that there was a big dog on the side of the road, and it was dead. <gasps> was that bandit? And they don't know, because when they returned to that spot, the dog was gone. The group made it back to the courthouse and wanted to report the incident as quickly as possible. They spoke with Deputy Millard Halstead, and to his credit, he could tell that this was not a hoax. He'd state, I've known these kids all their lives. They've never been in any trouble, and they were really scared that night, and I took it seriously. Even in separate rooms, every witness told the same exact story, and they had the same terror in their eyes. That told him something had definitely happened to these kids. Halstead took them so seriously that he followed Roger back to the TNT area to look for the creature. Back at the plant, he turned on his police radio, and a loud disturbance blasted out, which sounded like screeching, but this was shrugged off. State police and National Guardsmen went searching for this creature, but nothing official was found. Linda Scarberry ended up needing medical attention because she was so shaken up, and she was given sedatives. Days later, the headline ran, Couples see man-sized bird, creature, something. This is kind of what put it on everybody's radar. Okay. On November 17th, 1966, in Cheshire, Ohio, a music teacher, Miss Gross, was sleeping in her bed, and at 4 a.m., she heard her small dog barking frantically. She states the moon was shining brightly that night, and when she looked out her window, she noticed a circular object hovering over the trees. It was as big as a house, brightly lit with red and green lights. As soon as she was going to wake her husband, the craft zigzagged away and disappeared. A 17-year-old boy reported that while he was driving, a huge bird attacked his car for almost a mile in the road in front of Ms. Gross's house on Route 7. So now they're getting aggressive towards the humans, if it's the Mothman. Mothmen. It seems like there's multiple, not just one, right? Mm -hmm. The day after that, Paul Yoder and Benjamin Enox, a couple of firemen, were at the TNT area and reported seeing a huge bird with a giant red eyes. In Campbell's Creek, West Virginia, on November 20th, 1966, five teenagers see a bird-like humanoid while driving past a quarry. In Point Pleasant, in November of 1966, after the Scarberry sightings, they are plagued by strange gargling noises around their trailer at night. Like people brushing their teeth and... <laughs> I don't know what specific... Plagued by good hygiene? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. They don't specify. Okay. But they're plagued by it, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Someone won't stop brushing their teeth. Okay. In Point Pleasant, West Virginia, on November 24th, 1966, a family sees a giant bird with red eyes while driving past the TNT plant. Don't you mean whilst driving past? Whilst. <laughs> 
Because I got a little fancy there. <laughs> fancy? <laughs> on Route 62, north of the TNT plant, around 7.15 on November 25th, 1966, Thomas Urey noticed a tall gray humanoid while driving. The figure stood in the field, then spread its wings before taking off vertically. As the creature flew over Yuri's car, he naturally sped up to escape the threat, only for the creature to then pursue Yuri as he drove over 75 miles per hour. But as we know, they can fly at 100 miles per hour, so yeah, poor Yuri. That's not even fast that's enough. Nothing. In Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, in late November of 1966, George Wolfe Jr. observes a large bird moving between trees. He describes the bird as gray in color, around seven feet tall, having a long neck, and had a plume tail. So he saw a peacock. Well, they do believe <laughs> that this encounter and then the next one are probably Something mutated else. sandhill cranes. Okay, so some of the sightings are actual birds that they know of. Yes. Okay. On November 26, 1966, in Lowell, Ohio, Marvin Schock and his family observed multiple giant birds around the size of a man as they moved around in trees. How many? It's probably like a gaggle. A gaggle of mothmen? <laughs> or to be a murder of mothmen. Oh, it could be. Oh, that works out well yeah. for them. <laughs> Not for the humans. Right. <laughs> He stated that the creatures were four to five feet tall with large wingspan and had a red hue to their heads. So that does kind of seem like this encounter and the one before that are just actual, maybe just big birds. <laughs> <laughs> Some big ass birds out there I in West so. Virginia or Pennsylvania or Ohio. That was Ohio, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Pennsylvania and Ohio just had big birds. Yes. Yeah. On that same day in St. Albans, Charleston, West Virginia, Ruth Foster saw a humanoid figure standing on her lawn. She described the creature to be around six feet tall with large red eyes that protruded from the face and noted that there was no beak. So that kind of seems like the Mothman. That sounds more, more... on brand with Mothman. Exactly. Yeah. He didn't have a plume tail. He wasn't that fancy. No. They've never said that Mothman has a tail. Mm -mm. Not from what I've seen. No. On November 27th, 1966, at 1030 in the morning, Connie Carpenter was driving home from church when she came in contact with a big gray creature standing on what is now known as the Riverside Golf Course near Mason, West Virginia, which is only like 10 miles north of the TNT area. It was staring at her when suddenly it flew straight at her car, causing her to swerve and almost get into an accident. She did note that this creature was over seven feet tall, had glowing red eyes, wings that unfolded from behind its body, approximately 10 feet in span, and flew without flapping them. She was actually able to get a good view of its face, but because of the traumatic experience, she's never reported anything more than it's horrible. That would be traumatic. And after this event, her eyes were red and swollen, and she had Klieg conjunctivitis. So she had pink eye? Yes, which lasted for two weeks. Just from seeing him? Yes. So the difference is it was Klieg conjunctivitis, not bacterial. Mm -hmm. That usually happens when... You see a mothman? <laughs> Yes. Or when you come in contact with, like, prolonged exposure to UV rays. Huh. Does that mean the Mothman is giving off UV rays? Was she the only one that reported this? There were other reports of that. Really? Yes. Huh. Connie is one of the few witnesses who refuses to interview and has her husband Keith Gordon speak instead. It's also worth noting that she's Mary Heyer's niece, who was the journalist that we mentioned earlier that worked with John Keel. She does end up being a credible witness because her demeanor is described as shy and reserved for an 18-year-old, and she's someone who, like, wouldn't want that attention on her. 
Connie does end up having another encounter later in life, which I do want to talk about. In February of 1967, she married Keith, and they moved across the river to a two-family home in Middleport, Ohio. They did not get a telephone immediately because they had so much trouble in West Virginia. At 8.15 a.m., February 22nd, 1967, Connie left her house to go to school. As she started to walk down the street, a large 1949 Buick pulled up alongside her. The person in the car opened the door and gestured for her to come over. She thought maybe he just needed directions, so she approached him. He was a young, clean-cut man, about 25, wearing no jacket. And it was a cold day, so that was kind of weird. He had neatly combed hair and appeared to be suntanned. Connie said that the car appeared to be brand new inside and out, even though it was like a vintage model. As she grew close, the man grabbed her, but she struggled and ran away. The next day, a note was pushed under her front door, and it read, Be careful, girl. I can get to you yet. She'd also hear loud beeping noises outside of her house, and her husband reported that Connie was never the same after that. She never really went outside again, and she doesn't like to talk about those days. This incident is one of the most memorable cases that are linked to the Men in Black encounters. Will Smith? Well, yes, Will Smith. (laughs) Especially since it overlaps with her Mothman incident, too. So they think she's just connected to these paranormal happenings. Okay. And so these these men in black are the ones investigating the alleged alien encounters. Or the people who've encountered that. Let's get back to the Mothman sightings Please, now. Please, yes. In spring of 1967, at 10.30 p.m. in Ravenswood, West Virginia, a young couple was disrupted by a blue light that shines through the windows of their car. They experienced a tingling sensation and saw a ball of blue light that hovered above the ground and made a humming sound. This happened in a matter of moments, and then the ball disappeared. When they went to return back to town, they realized it was 12.30 a.m., and hours had passed in what they felt like were only seconds. The next morning, they had conjunctivitis from UV rays. Okay, that is strange. On March 5th, 1967, on Route 2, a blood transport encountered a bright flash in the woods. A white glow rose up and headed towards the vehicle, swooped overhead, and an arm from the light tried to grab the vehicle. What? That encounter is so bizarre to me. I don't even know how to explain that. Either that is very strange. Maybe they were on drugs. I don't it know. Could be. That but a blood weird. transport, you would hope that they're not. I don't know how, what to make of that one. On March 12, 1967, in Latart Falls, Ohio, a mother and daughter coming back from church have their car stopped by a white humanoid that descended in front of them with wings around 10 feet in span and had a long head of hair. They that also, doesn't sound like the Mothman, though. They never talk about Mothman having, like, long, luscious hair. No. <laughs> he didn't have that witch's brew shampoo, did he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe so, no. <laughs> We're referencing a lot of past episodes, so. You know, check them out. You won't get it unless you know so yeah, if you know you, you know right they also reported disturbances with their television and telephone camp conley road point pleasant west virginia in april of 1967 the lily family reported a flurry of paranormal activity interference with their television showed what looked like colorful lights above their house Cars near their house would stall, and Linda Lilly, the 16-year-old daughter of the family, stated she woke up one night to see a tall, broad, grinning man staring down at her. A lot of people think that may have been injured cold, but we don't know, because remember when Woodrow met him, he said that he was just smiling the whole time, and it was creepy. Yeah. 
Indrid cold is just creeping me out. November 2nd, 1967 in Point Pleasant, Virginia Thomas heard a squeaking sound outside. She went to investigate her front yard to see a giant shadow on her grass. It was a tall gray form that appeared, then glided across the field before disappearing into the trees. She reported having nightmares after this. In November of 1967 in Point Pleasant, Mary Heyer informed John Keel that she was having bad dreams about people drowning and Christmas gifts floating in the river. Premonition, huh? Yes. December 15th, 1967, at 5.04 p.m. during rush hour, the steels of Silver Bridge twisted and gave way. 46 people lost their lives, 9 were injured, and 2 were never found. This incident happened in approximately 60 seconds. With all the sightings that had happened within those years, it felt like everything was leading up to this tragedy. This was the start of Mothman being connected to warnings of dark premonitions. So it's like he shows up and it's trying to warn you something bad's about to happen. Okay. On December 22nd, 1967, two olive-skinned men wearing black overcoats enter the office of Mary Pyre and ask about the flying saucer activity and ask what she would do if told not to publish information on the local reports. She said she'd tell them to go to hell. Later, another individual arrives about 5'7". He has black eyes, black hair, long fingers, and he was in a black suit. He introduces himself as Jack Brown and claims to be a friend of a local UFO investigator. He inquires about John Keel. Brown later visits Connie Carpenter and asks what Hire would do if asked to stop writing about the UFO. Connie, her husband, and her brother would all know he had long fingers and strange ears. There were over 100 sightings or encounters from November 1966 to 1967 in this general area. After the tragic event of Silverbridge falling, nobody wanted to hear about Mothman anymore. Point Pleasant has now become like a hot tourist spot because of this legend. Yeah. So we may visit that too. We've got to add it to our, you know, know. our tour list. Right. Our spooky tour list. <laughs> yes. After this, there were also other sightings over the world or across the world. In Freiburg, Germany, September 10th, 1970, miners saw a headless man with red eyes on his chest that had large black wings. The men stood and watched until the creature let out a cry that sent them running from the mine. One hour later, the mine collapsed. Oh, like warning of something bad. Yeah. Mona Smith, Cornwall, England. On April 17th, 1976, June and Vicky Melling see a bird man on the tower of old Monan Church. The figure is described as a gray being, six feet tall, with a 10 feet wingspan, glowing red eyes, and making a hissing and screeching sound. Minneapolis, Minnesota, June 27, 2007. Reports of a winged humanoid around the area began to be reported. On August 1st, the I-35 West Bridge opened in 1967, the year that the Silver Bridge collapsed. It also collapsed during rush hour, and 13 people died, and 145 were injured. So, is the Mothman, is it creating these episodes? You could say either or. Some people say he comes to warn you, and then others say he has caused that. Okay, interesting. Fukushima, Japan, March 2011, Marcus Peels was visiting a friend in Japan when they heard a swooping sound along with a screeching cry. He was looking towards the nuclear power plant, and they saw a black figure sitting atop one of the buildings. They watched it as it opened up its bat-like wings. When the creature took flight, they saw that it had two huge red eyes. The earthquake and nuclear disaster followed days later. 
Interesting. So mm-hmm. take what you will from that. I don't know. Yeah. Is it causing this destruction or is it warning of it? Maybe if we talk to Indrid, he will tell us. You want to talk to Indrid? Because he sounds <laughs> really ridiculously spooky. <laughs> he does sound spooky. Don't even move his mouth when he talks. Go talk to someone else. I'll yeah. give him your number. Call Jennifer. <laughs> Send me some telepathic waves. I'm open to it. We'll talk about, you know, his galaxy. <laughs> He'll give you his address. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll never make it there unless mm. he, like, abducts me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what if you become one of those alien abduction stories? Well, you better believe me if I tell you. I believe you. Okay. You never told me anything that wasn't true, so I believe you. We'll see when that time it comes. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> So let's talk about some of the theories. Okay. There is a theory that this town may have been under the phenomena which they call mass hysteria, which we talked about in the previous episode. Yes. I thought that was a... The witch hysteria, right? Interesting uh, similarity. That, that is influential. So the textbook definition in this is an epidemic or mass hysteria refers to apparently contagious dissociative phenomena that take place in large groups of people or institutions under conditions of anxiety, which I can see being that fear is so contagious. Mm-hmm. So it's like you think that something is plaguing this town and like attacking, not even attacking people, but you know, just appearing and it's right. scaring people. It's easy to catch on. No matter how cool you want to play it, like I'm not worried about Mothman, but in the back of your head, you're like, okay, what if this Mothman is kind of a thing? You know, I'm living in this town <laughs> with all these people who've encountered Mothman. <laughs> the power of suggestion. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Reports of seeing creatures like this became very frequent and many people would state that they've never seen humanoid creatures like that before and there were a lot of assumptions that these sightings could have been confused with seeing a mutated owls or sandhill cranes okay because those are bigger yeah i don't think they get as tall as seven feet or six feet no but if they've been mutated well they could obtain ufo ships as well that is true we didn't even (laughs) think about that that goes with the mutation hand in hand (laughs) you're right (laughs) So to kind of link that, we do talk about toxic wastes that cause mutation in people or animals. The TNT area was known to create explosions and enriched in uranium was one of the known elements that were distributed back and forth. It was an area that was very active during World War II. Scientists do believe that that kind of nuclear waste could cause such mutations and radiation could cause like the red eyes and sickness. See, I believe that. That makes sense. Yeah. You got some mutants. Mutated owls and cranes, and then people seeing things, and yeah. that radiation is causing like hallucinations. Yes, and hallucinations, and then also the irritation in the eyes. Yeah, the conjunctivitis, mm-hmm. UV rays. Yeah. How do you explain the lights? Do you think that's just also hallucinations? It could be part of the hallucinations, sure. Even to the point where you're seeing like huge UFOs. That could be drugs. <laughs> what about the creature? Or the not enough creature. coffee. As we know, <laughs> that is dangerous. So this one's interesting. We did talk about this in Skinwalker as well. Native American curses. Oh, you know you better don't... respect the land and the Native Americans. You know don't that. mess with that. So listen to this. There's a long history with this area being involved in war, which include the French and Indian War, and later the Battle of Point Pleasant, which took place during Dunmore's War in 1774. Many Indians and colonials were killed until there was an agreement with the Iroquois in 1978. 
the Treaty of Fort Stanwix was successful for the most part, except near Kanawha and the Ohio River. There, the Shawnee and Mingo tribes were forming a plan to attack the Virginia militia, which were there to stop Indian attacks on British settlers. On October 10th, 1774, Chief Cornstalk attacked the Virginia militia, and over 75 militiamen and 50 Indians were killed. Cornstalk retreated, realizing they couldn't win the fight. Colonel Andrew Lewis followed him and convinced him and his men to honor the agreement and to also support the Treaty of Camp Charlotte. This restricted the Indians from crossing the Ohio River, but restricted the same of the British. Over the next few years, Cornstalk became friends with the British, but when the Empire began recruiting Indians to fight alongside them, Cornstalk went to Fort Randolph to warn its citizens of what they were doing. Once there, Cornstalk was made prisoner and kept as hostage. His son, Ellen Pisco, would come to see his father, but was taken prisoner as well as two other tribesmen. Outside the fort, they could hear gunshots. Indians and militiamen were attacking each other, and against direct orders, the militiamen stormed the cells and shot Chief Cornstalk and his son to death. As Cornstalk laid on the floor dying, he said these last words. I was the border man's friend. Many times I have saved him and his people from harm. I never warred with you, but only to protect our wigwams and lands. I refused to join your pale-faced enemies with the redcoats. I came to the fort as your friend and you murdered me. You have murdered by my side my young son. For this, may the curse of the great spirit rest upon this land. May it be blighted by nature. May it even be blighted in its hopes. May the strength of its people be paralyzed by the stain of our blood. So he cursed them as he was dying. Yes. So there's definitely a curse on this land. Yeah. Now, ever since Cornstalk placed this curse, many tragedies have happened. On April 21st, 1930, a fire ripped through a prison located less than 80 miles from where Cornstalk was murdered. Over 320 people were killed. Two days during June of 1944, tornadoes ravished the area, killing 134 people. March 2nd, 1976, a man walks into a Mason County jail, detonating himself, leveling the jail, and killing five people. January of 1978, a train derails, traveling through Point Pleasant, polluting the town's water supply with toxic chemicals. April 27th, 1978, a cooling tower collapsed, killing 51 workers. So a lot of tragedy is happening. Yeah. Is it coincidence? Is it just these things happen? I mean, obviously things like this happen, trains being derailed and I mean, the polluting of the town's water supply, I think that is very problematic for the town and could have caused obviously some of the hallucinations and giant cranes or owls mutating. Right. So let's talk about this. Something that I found perusing the internet are these bats in the Philippines. They are called fruit bats or flying foxes, which are known to be more than five feet tall. Could this have been like something they've seen? Exciting, maybe. I don't. It's kind of cute on the left. He's like, what, eating a banana or something? He's eating something. Google it, guys, because it's those things are kind of freaky. Like to see a bat that big. Yeah, just hanging down. Yeah, that is a giant bat. Yeah, just imagine coming home. You got this bat hanging out. Yeah, no. It's like Mm -hmm. a little vampire. But I did look. It doesn't look like these types of bats are in that area. So couldn't have been those. Obviously, the most intriguing theory would be that these are paranormal entities. And I guess you know, depends on where you fall on the spectrum of believer (laughs) if you're like jennifer exactly are you a believer you more like me or are you more like summer where you're like eh, you know i don't know so i'm not saying it's impossible i'm just saying 
eh, I'm a little skeptical of some of these accounts. You throw in the toxic waste and then there you have people possibly sick and hallucinating and having vision problems. True. Yeah. All of that could play a part in that. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Let's talk about the movie Summer. (laughs) Oh, that movie. You just saw it. I saw it back in the early 2000s. So whenever it came out, what was that, 2002? I thought it was spooky at that time. It just had that cool, eerie feeling that I like. And so I definitely looked into what was behind the movie and the actual stories and just thought it was fascinating and wondered if it was real or fabricated by people. Yeah. They do put, like, some accurate information in there. Like, Indrid Cold is one of the reported... Sightings. Sightings, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. The red eyes. But there is a scene which I thought was a little, like, really? It's the scene where he's in the hotel room mm-hmm. and... He's on the phone with Andrew Cold. Yeah. And, you know, Andrew Cold, with his voice, he can tell, like, what is happening on his end. There's one point where Richard Gere puts, like, something in his shoe and pushes it under the bed. And he's like, I just saw that. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he closes the blinds or the curtains because he's like, maybe he's looking outside. Yeah. Right. And so he goes into one of the drawers, picks up a thing, a chapstick, Mm -hmm. gets on the phone. What am I doing now? And injured Colt, you're holding chapstick. <laughs> it's like, I just thought that was such a weird scene. Like, why? Because <laughs> that just, I, that supports the theory of them being able to basically see everything, right? The, yeah, the telepathy yeah. theory. Yeah, because they're in his head. And I get that. I just thought. You thought they should use something better than chapstick? I thought so. Okay. Yes. You know, I think it was a decent movie. It wasn't scary to me. Well, for 2002, it was decent, yeah. 2002, Mm -hmm. yes, you gotta give it its props. But in closing, is there really a Mothman creature out there? What do you think, listeners? You tell us. Have you (laughs) seen the Mothman? He's been all over. Yeah, apparently he's worldwide. We did talk about that, and the Mothman appears to notify people if there's some kind of omen coming. Others think that it's evil. They want to destroy, and we see that does happen as well. Uh, It just depends on how you interpret it. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, like, what the correlation between the men in black and the UFO activity is. Like, I want to know what's going on there. And there were so many sightings in one area, and some didn't even know about each other, right? So it's just strange instances. You got to do an episode on that then. I think that's going to have to be a March 2022 episode. It could be. But if you're super interested in this topic, you can check out John Keel's book, The Mothman Prophecies. I may do that. That sounds interesting. You have to let me know your thoughts Mm -hmm. because you know what direction he leans. He leans kind of towards your direction. So, yep. See, again, I want the skeptics book. I don't know. Well, Astonishing Legends podcast has a five-part series on the topic, and they do a really great job of giving you all the details. So check them out if you just need your Mothman fix. Did you listen to them? I did, yeah. Was it really good? I thought they did a great job. Are they more like believers or skeptics or a mixture? They they cover Astonishing Legends. Okay. What do you think? So, well, they could be like us. One could be a No, super they're both. I think they're both on board. They're both Jennifers? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but they're good. Check them out. Yeah. We talked about the business stuff, merch. Merch is coming. Merch. Well, it's actually here. I'm wearing it. Again. <laughs> a select few. <laughs> Test the market, right? You know, They're out in the community right now. They are. Yeah, People like good, it. Good feedback. Yeah. We're loving it. They're loving it. It's a win. We have so many ideas. Well, I have so many ideas. Jennifer's like, another merch idea, Summer? <laughs> Summer is all about the merch, let me tell you. Just, but we I love like, it. We should have fun things to sell, right? Yes. 
<laughs> so we will hope you like this topic. If you have any episode ideas, email us at freshlybrewednoir at gmail.com. And Nicole has already emailed us a couple suggestions that we're going to do in oh. 2022. Yes. Yeah. Thank so, you, Nicole. Yes. Those thank you. great ideas. What's on next for us? What is next for us? What is next? Let's see. The Sleepy is, Hollow. Geez, <gasps> uh, <yes>! <laughs> <laughs> How did we forget that? We had a whole business trip about it. <laughs> our, I was thinking too far ahead in January, but yeah, next one we're going to do is our Sleepy Hollow episode. It's going to be our bonus episode being released Halloween Eve. Yep. So to take you into the Halloween weekend, mm-hmm. we Basically, have that ready for we you. we have like back-to-back episodes this month because we skipped last week. It's not Jennifer's fault. It's mine. <laughs> so many things going on. We're not going to throw we're anyone bu- under we're the bu- bus. We're building a house. Throw me under that house bus. <laughs> <laughs> throw you under the house. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to be up on, you know, in the house, hopefully. But at some point. it's Yeah, it's it's my bad. We, working on getting a house built so but either way you guys get three episodes in a row it's going to be fabulous so leading up to halloween you're going to have witch trials you're going to have mothman and then you're going to have our sleepy hollow episode it's going to be fun yeah very fun and then we'll take you to the darker side maybe next oh yeah november is a little darker so get ready yeah well until next time stay caffeinated get hobbies and don't murder people bye